Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Wygen. Purple Mafia is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thank you once again for joining me today to talk some NFL football. Of course, we're going to get to the Vikings news first, because this is a Minnesota Vikings podcast, so don't worry, I'm not a bandwagon fan, like, oh yeah, I'm just going to keep watching the playoffs, because I'm just going to get on the bandwagon. No, it's because I love watching football, and I'm sure a lot of you other, a lot of you out there also love football. Why not enjoy it? Why not enjoy it? Watch some good playoff games. Some were good, some were not so good. Well, we have our final four, it's all set, and yeah, well, we were right about some, wrong about some. But uh, this week I had a little more success in my picks, I guess. But, uh, oh well. It is what it is. I'm not happy with all the teams that are winning, but (laughs) some of them I'm happy. Some of them I'm happy, but pleasantly. Others not so much. Uh, Whatever. Let's talk about the Vikings news first. Before I say anything else, I'm going to give a shout-out to Ali Siddiqui. He posted an article on the uh, Minnesota Vikings, or should I say, Purple Mafia Facebook page, Purple Mafia Show, Minnesota Vikings Show page. Uh, thank you so much, Ali Siddiqui. He posted an article from thevikingage.com with their season over. Where do the Vikings go from here? So definitely recommend checking that out. If oh, Those of you out there that want to get caught up in what's going on with the Vikings and what choices the team needs to make. I'm sorry, I should have shouted out to that one sooner. But uh, the shout-out is in at this time, Ali Siddiqui. Brandt was also praying to God that the Vikings did not hire Hugh Jackson as the offensive coordinator, and the Vikings did not hire Hugh Jackson as offensive coordinator. Kevin Stefanski, though, was a head coach candidate for the Cleveland Browns, and he might have also been the offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns for their new coach, Kitchens. So he's in the kitchen, the kitchen's there, uh, looking to be coaching the Cleveland Browns. Kind of sad with uh, Browns uh, just moving on from Greg Williams after some pretty nice success, but... Well, Greg Williams, former club, is uh, having some success. The club, the, the whole Bounty Gate club, had a little success today, but uh, it was scary for them early on. I don't know. It was uh, kind of a similar situation coming together there. Maybe it would have been a Philadelphia in New Orleans miracle, but uh, an anti-New Orleans miracle in New Orleans, which almost happened, but it didn't happen. So, unfortunately, you saw a little uh, Shades of 2009 instead. Uh, a different, different player, different type of player making the... Uh, error, the crucial error that cost the uh, Eagles a chance to win the game. But let's talk about Kevin Stefanski for a little bit, as he will be the offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. Unfortunately, though, the Minnesota Vikings head coach, Mike Zimmer, is on the last year of his current contract, so job security is not a guarantee at this point, though I do believe Kevin Stefanski could be, at minimum, an offensive coordinator pretty much anywhere he wants, as long as the job is available, so to speak that somebody will hire him next year if, say, Mike Zimmer is no longer the head coach. I do think Mike Zimmer will get extended at some point, though. I do portend some type of success for Minnesota that will lead to a an extension for Mike Zimmer. We'll have to wait and see because, well, and also the other thing, too, if the Vikings do have a lot of success, there's a pretty good chance Kevin Stefanski will not remain as offensive coordinator for very long after that because Pat Shermer didn't remain as OC very long either. Um... Kevin Stefanski, I would say he's much more related to uh, his his offensive style is more related to Pat Shermer's quicker plays, less less risk that type of thing, less kind of crazy stupid stuff, but also that's uh, <laughs> crazy stupid stuff. I know that's crazy, that's goofy, but I mean it's not about if you're crazy. If you can come up with some really good plays, obviously Sean McVay and of course Mr. Uh, Nagy over there in Chicago. It, it works for you, and you have major success. Heck, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl last year with some tricky plays that ended up working out great 
for the Philadelphia Eagles down the stretch. Uh, they didn't really need a whole lot against the Vikings. They just tore us to pieces, unfortunately. But they needed a little bit to get past Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots in uh, U.S. Bank Stadium, a very familiar confines. Kevin Stefanski brings balance, but he also is willing to adjust. He's willing to get other people involved. That's the difference. It sounds extremely similar. Kevin Stefanski along with <clears throat> Ryan Saunders of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Kevin Stefanski is getting other people involved with his decision making and his play calling rather than just yep, that's the play call. Get out there and do it. Go! And that's basically what people have been saying forever about John D. Filippo in his uh, not even full season 13 game career as offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he did not really look for input. He just kind of had his way of the highway or the highway when he'd never even been an offensive coordinator before. I mean, for crying out loud, you got to be a little bit more, you know, versatile that way. You got to be a little more dynamic that way. You can't just like be one way or the highway, be a stone wall like that. So Ste- Kevin Stefanski, a bit more open-minded as an offensive coordinator and a lot more balanced. Of course, you're going to see a significant running game. And here's the thing again. It's not about just the running game. You have pretty good damn receivers here. But it's also, you don't want to put too much pressure on Kirk Cousins because he's more likely to make mistakes. You have awesome receivers to go along with Kirk Cousins' special skill, which is, well, being able to throw a deep ball or a, you know, being able to throw accurate down the field with, uh, well, with a pretty damn good arm, obviously. But you're going to see a lot more innovation, of course, of the running game. You're going to see more screen plays. You're going to see more use of the tight end, which, of, which of course, Kevin Stefanski also mentioned today in multiple interviews during the course of time. And, of course, uh, today, on, uh, actually, on the uh, Sunday morning special there with uh, Sid and Dave and all that. So, yeah, I mean, he's looking for the, uh, getting more and more tight end involvement with the team. And, of course, that's a good thing. A lot of the great teams use their tight ends. Philadelphia Eagles, multiple tight ends. New England Patriots have used multiple tight ends in the past, but they only have one really good one at the moment. But, uh, yeah, and who knows how much longer he's going to play, Mr. Uh, Gronk. But, no, you're going to see more of a balanced offense. Tight ends, running game. Of course, a very good running back that deserves touches, a lot of touches. And he can also make some catches also. That would be great. Uh, more uh, receiving from our running back, our star running back, Dalvin Cook. And, again, also... It's not like we're going to ignore the passing game and just run, run, run either. Of course, we're not stupid that way. You have enough talent in the passing game to really do some serious damage with this offense. And then the number one thing coming in, of course, will be, again, how many times? Anybody? All, all right, everyone together. Everyone together. Offensive line, that's right. So everybody in the audience at the same time, probably saying it with me, offensive line. Guard, 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 and then tackle, 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 whatever it is. So a minimum of two starting offensive linemen, I think, are required for the success of this franchise moving forward. Another major change for the Minnesota Vikings, or at least major, well, this is a major change, whereas, of course, Kevin Stefanski, that major change took place week number 13, but now, again, now it's becoming more of at least going into next season uh, solution. You can't say super long-term because what does the NFL stand for? Not for long. That's what the NFL stands for. Mike Prefer, Mr. Infamous himself, Mike Prefer, and I'm not getting into the political side at all. And I'm not wishing him to leave the team because of his political side. I'm wishing him to leave because kickers have fallen apart under the guy. I saw, I've seen the guy blow up at people on the sidelines before, and I felt bad. You know, certain missed coverages when uh, the other team would get a special teams touchdown against us, whoever it was in the preseason, regular season. We've seen some unnecessary blow-ups on the sidelines, and it's just, 
I don't know. And of course, he got humiliated against the Cleveland Browns years ago. Years ago. The double fake game, which made the Vikings look like morons all the way back in 2013. Uh, so, I don't know. He's hung around way too long. You've seen kicker after kicker fall apart under Mike Prefer. Kai Forbath hung in there and did fine. He struggled mightily during the middle of the season. But, uh, again, you've seen multiple kickers fall apart under this guy. I don't know. Is it 100% his fault? I don't know. But one way or another, it didn't work out. And I'm wel- welcoming a change. As to who the new uh, special teams coordinator will be, I do not know at the moment. So I deeply apologize for that. I'm not a great special teams coordinator mind. But uh, whoever is out there, please uh, share your thoughts. See, I'm open-minded. I'm like Kevin Stefanski. Let's, uh, I'm not this pompous expert who thinks I know everything. Share your uh, expertise, if you could, on the page. And uh, let the Vikings know as well. <laughs> Hoping for the best there. But no more Mike Briefer. So all of you that are tired of the not-so-good special teams, not-so-special teams... The last few years rejoice. So there you go. Kevin Stefanski is your offensive coordinator in 2019. Mike Griefer is not your special teams coordinator in 2019. So he goes to the Browns instead of Kevin Stefanski, which I'm very happy about. The poor Browns, though, of course. I mean, that's a team that's dying for some success. I feel for you, Vince Germano. Again, the political side. Let's leave that alone. It's just I'm not here for that. I'm not here to, you know, talk, talk down about anybody's lack of uh, this or that. I, I just, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of I'm tired of Pitchfork Nation pitchforking everybody because, I don't know, maybe somebody said something you don't like. So it kind of is what it is. So there it is, Minnesota Vikings news at the moment. That's where we stand. There's your offensive coordinator and we will be searching for a new special teams coordinator. Mike Zimmer will be the coach and Mr. Rick Spielman will be the general manager. Will there be an extension? The news has not been passed on as of yet, still to this day, so uh, I don't know. We're going to take a quick break, and it's going to be playoffs, playoffs, and more playoffs. We are back here on Pearl Mafia, segment number two. It's going to be a big one, of course, divisional playoff round and, of course, uh, conference final previews coming up. So only two games, so it'll be probably a little bit shorter second segment than last week because, well, the uh, preview segment is cut in half. It's not. A, it's a segment within a segment, though. This is all going to be all in one. It's playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. And then in fan interaction, we'll hear from you guys about Kevin Stefanski, Prefer, and, of course, the playoffs this weekend. Divisional round, KC and Indianapolis. So... How many did I get right? I got just, nope, I got the uh, NFC right. I got the NFC right. <laughs> Actually, no, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. I got the NFC right. And if my prediction's correct, the New Orleans Saints are going to win the Silver Bowl, which is just, I feel so warm and fuzzy about that. I just, I don't know. I was actually kind of almost cheering for the Eagles today because you know why? I would love to see that LA Coliseum one more time. I'd, I'd love to see the LA. I love that stadium. I love it. And I love the colors the Rams wear at home. Their road jerseys are just boring. I, I don't care. I, the only thing I like is that it's, uh, you know, they have that really old school color system now on their helmets. I like that. The gold didn't look so good in the past. Those They were kind of boring. So they kind of have that super old school LA Rams from like the 60s look. 
it's just with the matching up with the modern logo on the uh, helmets. But I like the 70s, 80s, and early 90s look of the Rams with the, the blue, the royal blue, and the, and the yellow. Oh, I love that look. And we won't get to see that. I would have loved to see them hosting the Eagles in the uh, NFC Championship game. And then go Rams. You know, go Rams, win the uh, NFC Championship. I'll be rooting for them. Not because I'm a big fan, but because I'd rather see them win than the Saints. That's all this is. So everybody chill out to think I'm a bandwagon Rams fan. Now, the Patriots are my second favorite team, and they've been my second favorite team since 2001. So, since 2000, actually. Actually, 98. 98 is when I really jumped into the uh, the Boston market, so to speak, as a second favorite teams like the Celtics and all that. It's just okay. It's fun to steer for It's fun to still like them. I'm not going to go crazy and you know, get tears in my eyes if the Patriots win the Super Bowl. I will go crazy and get tears in my eyes if the Vikings win the Super Bowl. So do you, do you, do you get my gist, all of you out there, before I start talking about what I'm going to talk about here? <laughs> this is not about bandwagon. This is about just enjoying the season. Enjoy the season. Listen to Mike Tice. He might not have been the best coach of all time. I kind of liked him a little bit, but not, yeah, he wasn't a great coach. He was, a, he was, he was an okay coach. Um, but enjoy the season. That's what this is all about. What would you rather, I mean, would, would you rather enjoy the NFL playoffs or just stew that the Vikings are out and, and it's cloudy and too cold to do this and too cold to do that because a lot of people complain about the cold. I'd rather go for a nice walk and enjoy myself after recording this show out in the uh, cold night. It's, it's it's nice to walk for a couple of feet just to, just to chill out after doing a show. With that said, let's talk about the divisional round. Leading off Saturday afternoon, the Kansas City Chiefs host the Indianapolis Colts. And what the hell? I thought the Colts were going to, like, knock the Chiefs off. The Chiefs were a bunch of chokers and stuff. I thought they were. And, well, the Colts are down 14 nothing before half of the freaking Chiefs fans were in their seats. Okay, it wasn't quite that fast, but it was fast. And, geez, whoa. And, I don't know, there's something about in the postseason. You go down 14 nothing, you're freaking done except for a certain team today, but 14 nothing. that's the limit. 17 nothing. well, <laughs> Vikings almost managed to give that up last year in U.S. Bank Stadium, but hey, we're, we're 1-0 in U.S. Bank Stadium, right? Doesn't that feel good? You know, the Vikings are 1-0 in U.S. Bank Stadium in the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, we're 1-0 in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, we almost were 0-1, but hey, we won. Hey, history is what it is. But uh, no, the Chiefs uh, crushed the Colts 31-13, to and what the hell? It was like from the get-go. It kind of reminded me of New England, Indianapolis in 2014 when everybody started accusing Tom Brady of deflation and deflate gate and this and that. It kind of looked like the same situation, kind of a cold, blustery, wet, snowy day in Kansas City. Wet, snowy day in Kansas City. That had to be really interesting in the commute there because I don't think they're used to a whole lot of snow in Kansas City, Missouri. But uh, the number one seed in the AFC is going to the AFC title game and Jeez, uh, Patrick Mahomes is the real deal. And what's really crazy about this, the guy that threw 50 touchdown passes in the game threw for zero, yet this team scored 31 points. A guy who threw 39 passes, 39 touchdown passes anyway in the game, threw for one touchdown, and he also fumbled a ball. So he did have a fumble loss in the game. Neither quarterback threw an interception, but crazy to think that uh, Pat Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Pat Mahomes played for the Twins, by the way, if you didn't remember that. There's even a nice cool picture out there. I believe Ali Sidikai posted it. I believe it, I think it was on Twitter. No, it was on Facebook. Not on my page, because which hurts my feelings, but no, it was just on his regular page. 
uh, Pat Mahomes, the Twins pitcher at the time, holding Patrick Mahomes, young little, a young little tyke wearing a Twins uniform. Now, how cool is that? He was holding him up. He was holding him up. And that's cool. So it's just imagine Patrick Mahomes being a part of Minnesota sports uh, lore. Patrick Mahomes, a guy who just might win a Super Bowl this year. He just might. Um, Kansas City looks awfully good. It's their first playoff win since 1993 when Joe Montana, in his uh, final good season, anyway, he played one more year in 94, but he was washed up. 93, Montana did very well with the Chiefs, took them to the conference final, and they ended up losing to the bleeping Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills, who did nothing against the frickin' Cowboys, and that was no fun at all. That was back when the Super Bowl was boring every year. It was a blowout, 55-10. to 10. 39 to, to whatever. I mean, I, it sucked. Except for, well, okay, Buffalo versus the New York Giants was awesome. And then you had a kicker. Like, guess what? The kicker lets you down again. Again. The kicker lets you down again. This happened way back in the after, during the 1990 season, ultimately January 1991. Their kicker, Nor, Norcutt, was a Norwood Norcutt. I don't, whatever. Missed a 21-yard, like, chip shot. Uh, missed it. And they're down by one, and it was just like the Bears and uh, and uh, Eagles last week. You lose by one point. Vikings and frickin' Seahawks. Same old thing. So the kicker lets you down again. The Buffalo Bills history would have been totally different. Just one different Super Bowl would have been different. Just like if the Minnesota Vikings beat the Kansas City Chiefs in 1969. And the Chiefs' chances of getting to the Super Bowl this year for the first time since 1969 look awfully good, actually. Awfully good, because it seems hella different there. Uh, very innovative offense. Andy Reid seems a lot more calm on the sidelines than he has in the past. He's been notorious. Him and Brad Childress, notorious for just freaking out and going ape bleep on the sidelines in playoff games, but normally the guy's not that bad about it. But here comes the playoff game, here comes the pressure, and his whole personality changes, and his team gets tight around the neck, and off they go. And oh, golfing in Florida, I guess. Since you can't golf in uh, Minnesota or anything or Philadelphia, go golf in uh, go golf in Florida until uh, it's time to get ready for some OTAs and all that. But uh, that's kind of how things went there. Uh, Travis Kelsey the, in the McDonald's commercials, his goofy dance and all that. Well, he was extremely valuable again, being innovative with the tight ends and all that. Andy Reid has stayed with the times pretty nicely offensively. He's done a hell of a job. Uh, Tyreek Hill doing a great job. And uh, the this team, I thought they were really going to suffer with the uh, offseason news and the loss of Kareem Hunt. Uh, they end up, of course, he'll never play for the Chiefs again, unfortunately. Again, Pitchfork Nation. And, of course, what he did was very wrong. But the Pitchfork Nation thing does what it does. It's And teams are forced to do what they're going to do. They don't even have, they don't even think about it anymore. Gone. Get out of here. You know, and that's just how it is. Um, Sammy Watkins, extremely valuable down the stretch, though he did have a crucial turnover. But the Colts really, it just they just almost never had a chance in this game. I mean, they made it interesting for a short, short, short time. When it was 17-7, to they were kind of hanging in there after the block punt. That was a great play. Uh, it was recovered by Zach Pascal. Adam Venateri ended up made the kick, making the kick. But uh, a great... Uh, a great play by Indianapolis there, getting the job done, blocking the punt, and that's when uh, that's what helped them kind of hang around in the game. And I'm like, oh, there it is. That was huge, Mister. Uh, oh, that was a absolutely huge play at the end of the day. The player, of course, from Indianapolis was Dustin Colquitt. 
uh, big time play there, getting the block and then the, and then tipped it over to Zach Pascal. Zach Pascal, thinking of the Minnesota Wild there. Zach Parisi and Pascal Dupuis. <laughs> Adam Vinatieri doesn't even look like anything like he used to. Man, he's still he's still out there kicking and but uh, he's literally kicking <laughs> and but unfortunately for him, I don't think Indianapolis is going to go to any Super Bowl again anytime soon. Um, and boy, I miss the days when he was on the Patriots. That was fun during the dynasty years there, uh, during their first three anyway. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, though, was really something. He ended up rushing one, one into the end zone. He doesn't really utilize the running game all that much because he's just that good of a pocket passer, is uh, Patrick Mahomes. But he is mobile enough to get away. He senses pressure. The guy just gets it. And, you know, every time I watch him, I'm pretty, pretty impressed. Uh, you know, I... What's nice about him, too, it doesn't go to his head. You know, I mean, there's so many guys out there, a little success goes to their head in a big way. I don't really see that from Patrick Mahomes. I, I think he was raised really nicely by uh, Pat Mahomes Sr. Uh, awesome job by Pat Mahomes, and what an awesome season by Patrick Patrick Mahomes. They really lit up this Indianapolis Colts team. Uh, this is a complete club. Their defense was extremely aggressive. They pretty much left Andrew Luck out to dry the entire game. He could hardly come up for air. Uh, 53%. Didn't get any turnovers on him, but still relegated him. Almost useless in the game. Whether they're used to being outside or not, the Colts being a dome team, whether or not, and yeah, the dome teams don't have a whole lot of success on the road. Funny. They, they really don't, and we all know about that around here. Uh, one of my favorite players, Naeem Hines, going in the draft last year. Got a few yards for the Colts down the stretch, but it just it wasn't their day. Uh, Damian Williams has done a fantastic job with the absence of Kareem Hunt. Permanent absence, unfortunately, for the Chiefs. Because um, it's not the Chiefs' fault that Kareem Hunt had offseason issues. Um, but no, Damian Williams filling in nicely. Obviously, the wide receivers. Travis Kelsey, obviously a tight end, but super valuable. Tyreek Hills, one of those slot receivers. Sammy Watkins, oh, so valuable. The Chiefs really have a chance to uh, to go to the Super Bowl this year, I think. And uh, they did a hell of a job versus the... <laughs> now that I'm elongating this so long, it was really entertaining entertaining to see, even though the game wasn't good, but the spectacle of it was pretty, pretty much something else. Uh, they really had a hell of a game. Los Angeles Rams in the Coliseum. Los Angeles Coliseum. I love that building. I love that building. And it's kind of sad. But, I mean, I understand. you got to move on and all that and have your new, fresh new building coming up very soon. The Los Angeles Rams, 13-3 and on the season. The most, I just, one of the coolest retro uniforms ever and the fact that they're in that building again and all those colors and that big helmet in the middle of the field. I was really looking forward to the possibility. Just maybe the Philadelphia Eagles knock off the Saints and you get to play there again. But uh, Dallas, I thought they, they really hung in there in this game more than I thought. Uh, the LA Rams... And the Kansas City Chiefs had a pretty amazing. <laughs> we're gonna look about. We're gonna look at all that when we get into the previews. They had a really amazing uh, uh, showdown, a uh, shootout during the middle of the season. If these two teams do somehow find a way to get to the Super Bowl, it'll be a hell of a game, and it's gonna be a lot of fun. But um, we'll we'll talk about who's gonna win that game if it happens. But that would be next week if these two teams do survive. Next week. Wouldn't be surprised to see New England and the Saints in the Super Bowl. Wouldn't be surprised at all, actually. But uh, Rams and Chiefs, I think a lot of the young people would love to see the Rams and Chiefs. And a lot of uh, veterans like me wouldn't mind seeing the Saints and the uh, Patriots. Only for the fact I'd like to see the Patriots beat the Saints. But uh, I do not want the Saints to beat the Rams at the end of the day. I'd rather see the Rams win. Um, 
Todd Gurley, obviously there he is. I mean, one of the better running backs in the NFL. He was unbelievable. C.J. Anderson, who was acquired from the uh, Denver Broncos uh, earlier, he, uh, he was he was a former Bronco anyway when they won the Super Bowl. Extremely valuable in the game. It's like he looks so weird with that huge number, 35. It looks really weird seeing that. But what an awesome game for him, averaging five and a half yards, got in the end zone twice. Todd Gurley just unstoppable over and over and over. The LA Rams could provide a hell of a hell of a running game against the Saints next week, and they're going to need it. But uh, they're also going to need Jared Goff to uh, not collapse under the pressure in the Superdome, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome as it is. Uh, it's going to be tough. We'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, Zeke Elliott couldn't really get a whole lot going. The LA Rams defense did a hell of a job in this game, I would have to say. They they really did. Uh, Jack Prescott was very respectable in the game. He outplayed Jared Goff. He outplayed Jared Goff. Higher percentage. He didn't turn the ball over. Quarterback rating just under 100. He wasn't spectacular in the game, but he only got sacked once. Uh, the offensive line in front of Jared Goff, though, did a freaking awesome job, which, again, annoys me to see how awful Jared Goff's numbers were. He didn't turn the ball over, but he didn't have that great of a game. I mean, 54%. You know, the just, you know, and it's not like Jared Goff was bad. He It's not like he was bad, but it felt like the Rams should have blown the Cowboys out. Uh, but Dallas, their defense is really good, and that's where if somehow, some way, in the second round, the Dallas Cowboys got to play the Saints, it could have been a really interesting game because the Cowboys beat the Saints and they kept it to like a baseball score. This Cowboys defense is underrated and that's why they won the NFC East this year. Even though you think it's a weak division and oh, whatever. Well, it's not that weak because Philadelphia almost won the Super Bowl this year again. I mean, there's a, they, were, they were pretty close. Uh, maybe fingertips away from going back to the Super Bowl because I think they would have beaten the Rams on the road. I think their chances of beating the Rams were high, but hopefully the, Eagle, or the, uh, the Rams would take care of business at home. The Rams' defense is what's going to help them win the championship this year. It's their, it's, it's what will help them beat the Saints next week, if, if it does. Jared Goff, so far in these big games, has not stepped up. Uh, he tore us to pieces. He got, what, 500 yards in the game. He just shredded the Vikings, made us look like morons, tore us to pieces earlier in the season. But really, ever since like the midway of the, of, the, of the year, the Rams haven't been all that hot. They, they just have not been as hot. They've managed to hang on to a 13-3 and record, and they won their division just running away and all that, but I don't know. I mean, they're not this unstoppable force they were at the beginning of the season. I mean, they won their first nine games. They won their first eight games, pardon me, and then they got beat by 10 against the uh, New Orleans Saints in the Superdome. <sighs> mm, that sounds sounds... Sounds about right, unfortunately. It does. But no, I mean, they just wall, wall, I mean, they just whooped everybody. Uh, the Vikings, of course. Vikings were able to score 31 points against them, which was the best of anybody until Seattle, a division rival, on the road, by the way, for the uh, the Rams, or a, a road game for the Rams. So the Vikings had put up pretty good offensive numbers. That was John Filippo's defining moment of his season so far. Uh, the Rams also beat the Kansas City Chiefs 54-51 in a beautiful shootout. Almost no defense in that game. The offenses were that sexy. But pretty much ever since then, it hasn't been so great. Now, of course, they were guy they beat Detroit thirty to sixteen, but it wasn't that impressive. And then a fifteen to six loss at Chicago. And then they lost to Philadelphia. They beat Arizona, big deal. They beat San Francisco, big deal. And then yeah, they beat Dallas, which is the you know, and then they find they beat Dallas in the playoff game, of course. So okay. But really, ever since that uh, Detroit game, December, ever since the month of December, I don't think they've really been the same team. Uh, very impressive win over the Chiefs in uh, 
on, on November 19th. But really, ever since then, I don't think the Rams have been the same team, and that's what's going to... I think that's really hurting their chances of overcoming the New Orleans Saints next week, but I will be rooting for them. Dallas Cowboys defense really did a good job, and they hung in there. They almost made it, but luckily for the Rams, they were able to hang on and get a nice defensive stop down the stretch and uh, also burn the clock out to prevent the Cowboys from getting another another opportunity at the end of the day. A big, solid win for the Rams, and they get to their first NFC Championship game since 2001 is the St. Louis Rams. But let's talk about the Los Angeles Rams. The last time they went to the NFC title game, was 1989 against the San Francisco 49ers, and unfortunately for them, didn't go so well. But it was a solid Rams team way, way, way back in the day with Jim Everett leading the way. Jim Everett, remember that name from back in the 80s and 90s? Good player, good team, but the Rams were unable to beat Joe Montana and the San Francisco 49ers in 1989. That was Joe Montana's last Super Bowl team, the team of the 80s. An all-California NFC Championship game. Well, that will not be the case in this in this one. It will not be an all-California Super Bowl either because the Los Angeles Chargers are finished, unfortunately, as we are going to move back to the AFC now, gradually. Oh, boy. Wow. This was just easy-peasy. And, I don't know, the Patriots, it's just, they just kind of grad, they just kind of let the Chargers kind of put some points on the board in the fourth quarter. And in the third, I suppose. I mean, the third, the second half was 21 to 6 in favor of the Chargers, and they still lost by 13 points. So that just says a whole lot. That first half, 38 to 7, was just an absolute, uh, 35 to 7, pardon me, was an absolute drubbing. Uh, you could just feel it early and often. I mean, it's amazing that this game was actually tied for uh, a pretty short stretch there late in the first quarter. It wasn't a high scoring game, and then all of a sudden the Patriots just started rolling. That opening drive, though, was very solid by the Patriots. Very solid, very well orchestrated. Tom Brady, very sharp. Looks different. Looks very different coming into this one compared to what he had been doing for a while. Almost 80% of his passes were completed. Quarterback rating 106. He only had one touchdown pass in the game, but he was completing everything, and he looks like playoff Tom Brady once again. Which does make me smile because I'd way rather see them win than the freaking Saints or the freaking Eagles or whatever. Well, we don't have to worry about the Eagles winning the Super Bowl again, but we might have to worry about the Saints winning it. And uh, Brady's going to have to be like this. 41 years old. 41 years old, and he went up against a Chargers defense that had been pretty tough all season. The guy is unbeatable at home. Uh, The only team that could beat the Patriots in Gillette Stadium are the Baltimore Ravens. And the Baltimore Ravens are out. They're out. That's the only team that's ever beaten them on the road in the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick era. They are 8-1 and one at home in in playoff games in Gillette Stadium with Tom Brady at quarterback. The guy, completely different. I mean, just look at that. This is the Chargers defense, by the way, folks. Let's let's say that again. The Chargers defense is pretty good. They made, <laughs> they made the last week's opponent, Baltimore, look like crud until like the very end of the game. They made Lamar Jackson look worthless in that game. And then again, another road game. Chargers were 7-1 and one on the road going into that one. 8-1 and one going into this one. Well, they finished the season 8-2 and two officially. Melvin Gordon couldn't get anything going. And, of course, with the uh, Chargers playing from behind after the uh, after the Patriots was, would go up 14-7, uh, to seven, that was kind of all she wrote for the running game for the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Sony, Sony, My, uh, Sony Michelle, unbelievable game. Three touchdowns overall. Patriots relied on the running game. They're ahead. And they kept burning the clock, and Sonny Michel was able to get them in there. He did have one 40-yard scamper in the game, but ultimately three touchdowns. 
that really uh, helped the uh, Patriots cause. The Patriots have been very innovative with their offense. They've been moving around. If it's a different receiver, a different <laughs> different uh, running back every other year, a different hero. Uh, Cordero Patterson was only targeted once. Uh, Julian, Julian Edelman, with his nine receptions and 151 yards in the game, moved to second place all-time behind Jerry Rice for playoff receptions. That's pretty damn awesome. At about at 97 catches. Jerry Rice, though, way ahead at about 151. So a long, long way to go there. James White might catch everybody if he keeps this up, though. He was he had 15 catches in the game. James White, remember, one of the heroes of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 51 versus the Atlanta Falcons and that huge comeback in the big play in overtime, that big screen play, the catch, and the uh, scamper into the end zone. Uh, that was an awesome play by James White, number 28 of the New England Patriots. 15 catches today, 97 yards, all short plays except for one 25-yard scamper. Very, very valuable. Uh, nookie blanky for Tom Brady. Yes, you raised up the accuracy, but the plays were made, and the Patriots kept moving the chains and moving the chains and moving the chains, and then there'd be plays downfield, and then Sony Michael would, would cap off another good run. Uh, overall awesome game by the New England Patriots offense. They just shredded this Chargers team and Chargers just kind of were trying to make the score look a little bit prettier down the stretch. Patriots, of course, playing a little little bit safe and a little bit uh, prevent defense-ish. They don't want to go crazy. They don't want to get people hurt, obviously. Uh, very complete victory for the Patriots. Unfortunately, didn't keep the score quite as sexy as it was, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the Patriots win the game and go to their Eighth consecutive AFC Championship game, which is absolutely nuts. They're going to Arrowhead Stadium, which is not going to be easy at all. I'm kind of concerned about that one. If you're if you want the Patriots to win that game, it's going to be a very tough one. If the game was in Gillette Stadium, the Patriots win for sure. Uh, the two teams did have a shootout game earlier in the season, and that was awesome, awesome football. The Patriots did win that one. We'll talk about that in the next segment, uh, not the next segment, but in the next couple of minutes here. That was a joy. Uh, Patriots, though, not a fun game to watch per se at all, but nice to see them get the job done and continue to do the unbelievable job they've done the last several years. If you like them or not, damn it. New Orleans Saints and Philadelphia Eagles, it looked really, 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 really bad. Uh, it looked like the Eagles' magic was going to continue. Nick Foles and the Eagles were uh, getting the job done. Their first two drives in the game were touchdowns. Were touchdown drives led by Nick Foles. That 37-yard play to Jordan Matthews in the end zone were really something else, and then Nick Foles was able to run one in later uh, to make it 14 to nothing with uh, four and a half minutes remaining in the first quarter. Eagles looked like they had it all ready to go again as the Saints were three and out on their first possession, and they kept the Eagles' defense kept stifling the Saints in that first quarter and into the second quarter for a while. And then the Saints would finally get their first score, and the Eagles, all of a sudden, the Eagles' offense couldn't do a whole lot. They'd get a first down here and there, but generally speaking, they ended up punting, punting, and more punting. Nick Foles would have an interception at one point, and it's just, it was kind of almost like when the Vikings took the early lead against the Saints last year. 17 nothing lead against the Saints. Everything looked great. Bray Breeze couldn't do jack squat. Uh, luckily for this time around, Drew Brees didn't throw an interception like he did against the Vikings. Actually, he did. He did. He did throw an interception. And the frustration was continuing. It was almost exactly like last year, where the Eagles were basically us last year, the superior team taking the early lead. The Saints couldn't do anything. And then all of a sudden, the offense completely died. Completely. 
And then the defense wasn't the same either, as the Eagles' defense was so good, and the next thing you know, the Saints started making plays. Now, Philadelphia's defense in this game was a lot better than I think the Vikings' defense was down the stretch against those New Orleans Saints, but still, Drew Brees started completing passes down the field. Again, lots of up-the-field type of plays, but the accuracy from Drew Brees is just very, very, very evident. Nick Foles ultimately two interceptions, but that second one was the big one. Um, Drew Brees ultimately completed 37 or 73% of his passes, just over 300 yards in the game. But uh, at the end of the day, one of the big problems for the Eagles, they couldn't really establish much of a run throughout this game. I mean, if they could have established more of a run, there would have been something more often. Uh, they would have had a better chance of winning this game, I think. But it just seemed like pass, 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 <clears throat> and then punt, 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 punt. And that's pretty much what the Eagles did from the first quarter on. They would not score another point the rest of the game. Uh, the Vikings luckily had the Minneapolis Miracle. That saved us. And, of course, a, a drive that led to a Kai Forbath 52-yarder. Thank God for that. It was a beauty. Uh, Will Lutz missed a 52-yarder, which gave the Eagles a chance in the game. But um, that will lead to that up in a second. But uh, really, this was this was definitely the best game of the weekend. Uh, Elvin Kamara, for the longest time, seemed invisible, but then he came up big down the stretch. Some huge plays, some huge gains that ended up uh, moving the chains and running the clock down against Philadelphia's uh, chances there. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, very, very deadly early in the game. But then later in the game, it just the, the Eagles could not get anything going. The passes were not there. The passes were not caught. The Saints' pressure on uh, Nick Foles was significantly better. Like any quarterback, I mean, you know, it's tougher to throw the ball when there's pressure. And Nick Foles' accuracy just wasn't quite there. Would have been nice to see Carson Wentz, see what he can do, but uh, whatever. <laughs> Carson Wentz, whatever. I mean, <laughs> Who knows what the Eagles are going to do? A lot of people believe that Foles will probably wind up on another team next year. Yeah, they're going to throw a lot at him, our other teams via trade. So we'll see what happens with Nick Foles next season. Or is he going to be the Eagles quarterback because he's got that magic? Uh, Michael Thomas was unbelievable. Uh, Drew Brees was hitting him again and again and again and again and again and again. 171 yards, 12 receptions in the game. Ultra-valuable guy. He did get in the end zone. And that was Drew Brees. Uh, ended up putting the Saints ahead for the first time early in that third, or should I say late in the third quarter, at the very end of the third quarter, finally putting the Saints ahead, where you could kind of get the feeling like, there it is. The Saints are officially, you know, the favorites in this game again. They're the pressure's uh, going much more on the Eagles now. The momentum has completely shifted over. The Eagles' offense just completely vanished in this game, and the Saints' defense really showed up to play. We all know they have one good player after another, especially Lattimore, who I think is the player of the game. Other than Drew Brees being spectacular and Michael Thomas, Lattimore was unbelievable in this game. Some big stops, stop, <laughs> making big plays on Jeffrey, knocking the ball away. But one good pass deflection after another by this Saints' defense was really what got the job done. Uh, the Eagles' defense was strong in the game. They kept the Eagles in the game. They didn't let the Saints take off. But my goodness, uh, Lattimore was unbelievable in the game. Again, multiple interceptions, multiple pass deflections. He was huge. Uh, Eli Apple was pretty strong in the game as well down the stretch. He's not the perfect cornerback, but he was solid at the end of the day. Uh, Lattimore, though, my goodness. I mean, just nothing was getting by the guy in the game. I think really early he was beat a little bit here and there, and it happens. I mean, you're going to get beat. The best corners are going to get beat here and there, especially with Nick Foles. But to completely shut out the Eagles offense, as deadly as it's been, 
the last, you know, with, with Nick Foles, like going into the last season's playoffs and going into this season's playoffs, as dangerous as it was again. Didn't have they didn't have that explosiveness that they did last year though, where they just shredded us and they got all those points against the Patriots as well. But at the same time, the same time, I mean, you could still see that magic. You could still see those plays down the field, and then all of a sudden, those plays just weren't there anymore. And the Saints defense did a hell of a job. The uh, Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator of the Saints, he did, he did a hell of a job. He did a hell of a job. He looks a lot like my old district manager many years ago when I used to work in the service industry. Looked just like him, actually. Looks just like him. But no, they did a hell of a job in the game. Maybe Dennis Allen will be a head coaching uh, candidate for somebody out there, defensive coordinator. They, uh, whew. The Saints, I mean, it's amazing how, where this team came from. Just two, three years ago, it was just like, you know, Drew Brees would throw for his 4,500 to 5,000 yards, 40 touchdowns every freaking year. But they'd be 8-8 eight eight because there was no defense. They'd have some nice, sexy offensive numbers, but there'd be no defense whatsoever. And then now they're 13-3 and three and the favorites to win the whole thing this year. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of faith in anybody going into the Superdome and beating this team. The one team that could have done it was the Eagles today. I think the Rams' chance of getting it done are a lot slimmer going into next week. Let's talk about the AFC Championship game before we get any further. The hosting Kansas City Chiefs will be again hosting the uh, New England Patriots. This will be the later game, 5.40 p.m. Central Standard Time on CBS. So, Dan, definitely check that out. Obviously, well, no kidding. The uh, New Orleans Saints, well, we'll talk about that one in a minute. I thought it would be there already. Weird. Yeah, well, yeah, they'll be, uh, that one will be earlier a little bit. <laughs> it's right here anyway. So we just back up here. But, uh, no, let's talk about the uh, finishing of this Eagles game before I get any further. Um, it looked like the game was going to be over. The the Saints just needed one more first down or so or just move the ball forward a little tiny bit to give Will Lutz, a guy who hit a couple of big kicks against the Vikings last year in the postseason, a decent, decent field goal, 40 yards, 41 yards, 45 yards. But then there was a sudden tackle for loss by Bennett. On Kamara, quite surprising the way he was able to get around his guy. He literally pushed uh, the uh, New Orleans lineman into Alvin Kamara, and then uh, Bennett finished the play. This all was Bennett, Michael Bennett, the former Seahawk. Yuck! Uh, and then there was a, uh, and then the Eagles had their chance, completed a couple passes, getting the crowd like, oh my goodness! And then there was the roughing the passer against Foles. That was huge, fifteen-yard penalty. Next thing you know. The Eagles were on the 30-yard line, the Saints' 30-yard line. And then the clock's ticking down into the two-minute warning after the Eagles had run the ball. They ran the ball. You figure, okay, that makes sense. Run the ball, let it get down to the two-minute warning. And said, what do the Eagles do? They rush a play, and it looked like the play was there. I mean, Elshon Jeffrey catches everything, right? Everything. Glue hands. He's been unbelievable. He's been one of the great heroes for the Philadelphia Eagles this year. And, well, at times last year before the injury kind of took over for the poor guy. And the ball went right off his, right through his fingers, right through his hands, into Lattimore. And then that was it. And the Saints won a huge close game at home in the playoffs, just like they did against the Vikings in a very emotional game in a lot of ways. Much lower scoring. Um, and it wasn't the quarterback's fault. It was the receiver's fault this time. I just couldn't believe it, and I don't think uh, anybody could. Jeffrey was just laying on the field. He was shocked. He was sad. Everyone was heartbroken, but uh, that's how it goes. I feel bad for some of the Eagles players. I don't like uh, the Eagles fans at all. I don't think anybody does. 
Uh, I don't really like the Saints fans either, though. They just, you know, and I don't like the Saints at all. I think they talk a lot of stuff, but I guess everybody does. That's just kind of sports these days. Everybody wants to talk something, talk, talk, talk. Heck, heck, we do it too, which is kind of annoying. But, uh, well, the Saints are going to the uh, NFC title game, and last time they hosted it, they won the Super Bowl, and I think uh, it's probably heading that direction again, unfortunately. Hopefully, this also spells the end of Drew Brees' career. God bless him. It's been an awesome career, but, uh, you know, I'd rather they don't, like, hang around too much longer. Let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Again, in the afternoon and all that good stuff. Late afternoon, 540. This is the later game of the two. The New England Patriots will be heading into Arrowhead Stadium. And, well, the Chiefs are the number one offense in football. Total yards per game, first. Passing offense, third in the game. Rushing offense is right in the middle. And they really relied on that rushing offense today. It could be one hell of a shootout again because I think Tom Brady's going to go crazy. I do. I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs played against a couple of very, very good teams this year, including the New England Patriots. And the Los Angeles Rams, a 54-51 to loss in Los Angeles in the Coliseum. And again, the uh, Chiefs, they lost two games in a row, one to the Chargers. In Arrowhead, 29-28. to That was a pretty stunning thing, uh, thing there. That's why I thought the Chargers just might get it done. Just imagine if the Chargers claimed home field advantage. But I think that would have been bad for the NFL. And imagine the tiny uh, stadium there. Nobody would be able to sit in it. So I guess that's a good thing. The poor Chargers, they need a stadium way more than the Rams do. Even though the Rams stadium is old, very old. But hey, why, why not? Uh, the Seattle Seahawks also beat the Chiefs in uh, uh, CenturyLink Field there. So... Interesting situation there, kind of, <laughs> right? Oh boy, what's going to happen? Well, the, the uh, Rams, the Rams, the Chiefs lost to New England in Gillette Stadium, 43-40. This was a beautiful game, Sunday night game. It was sexy, sexy football. I thought, here it is. This is the Patriots claiming home field advantage. But unfortunately, they just did not win enough games this year. They just, they lost some games they shouldn't have. I mean, they, the Patriots lost some stupid games this year, and it cost them. Uh, the Chiefs, despite their unbelievable record, unbelievable team, won up with a 12-4 and record, which was still good enough for first in the AFC. The last team, other than the Patriots, to host the AFC Championship game was the Denver Broncos because they were the number one seed, and they won the Super Bowl last time around, which I think could be a possibility for Kansas City. As tough as the Saints are, as tough as the Rams maybe would be, I think the Kansas City Chiefs have a chance to win the championship. They have a real chance to win it. And, well, they're 1-0 in the Super Bowl so far. And that was when the Minnesota Vikings playoff was began, all the way back in 1969. That was the beginning of it. This was a hell of a game, though, way back on, well, it wasn't that far ago, but it was it was a while. On the 14th of October, Kansas City went up 3 nothing, and they exchanged a couple of field goals. The Patriots got one on their next drive. Michael put them up 10-3, to three, blah, blah, blah. The Chiefs just kind of hung in there, but the Patriots kept building a sizable lead. Then the Chiefs had multiple scoring plays to get them back within one. It was a pretty exciting football game, though. A great pass by uh, Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill and all that. There were some huge plays by Patrick Mahomes down the field. He ended up throwing four touchdowns in the game, 352 yards. See, Brady didn't get the touchdowns, but he sure had the yardage and the completion and the accuracy. He was more accurate, he was more clutch, and he did not have interceptions. But Patrick Mahomes had two of them in the game. Uh, Kareem Hunt had eight yards of carry. Very, very explosive. Along with Sonny Michael, or Michelle, Sonny Michelle, who has, has been a hell of a running back for the Patriots this season. Kind of out of the blue there. Uh, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, the receiving there, incredible. So Kareem Hunt, again, a big loss. Tyreek Hill, though, huge. 
142 yards in the game. Again, Travis Kelsey, extremely valuable, as was Gronk in the game. It's going to be a fun, fun matchup. <clears throat> Unfortunately for the Patriots, though, this time it's an Arrowhead Stadium, and I, I got a feeling, you know, I was saying that the Patriots or the uh, Chargers were going to go to the Super Bowl this year. I thought, I really, really thought that the Chiefs were going to choke again and that the Colts were going to be heading to New England or uh, even to San Diego. Or I keep calling it San Diego, but, uh, well, the Chargers home field, the, the L.A. Chargers home field, and that the winner, the winner would go to the, the home team is going to go to the Super Bowl in that game. I truly felt that. I truly felt that the, the uh, I, I felt that it was going to be the Ravens possibly going to the Super Bowl because they're about as good a road team as there is, and it just never happened. And the Colts got stomped by Kansas City in such impressive fashion. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, luckily for the Patriots, they've played outdoors many, many, many times. Kansas City, though, they've proven they can play in any temperature. Brady really is going to step up in this game, though. I'm expecting a very, very high-scoring game. I'm expecting a very beautiful high-scoring game. If you like offense, I'm expecting great play out of both quarterbacks. It's literally going to be Brady versus Mahomes. I think the veteran usually wins in this game, usually. I just got a feeling I think the Chiefs might be a tiny bit better this time around, unfortunately. It's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough to win an Arrowhead Stadium for the New England Patriots. Uh, they have not had nearly as much success on the road in these AFC title games as they've had at home. In fact, they just they haven't gotten it done. I mean, they, they got it done way back in 01, but generally speaking, the Patriots, all of their Super Bowl appearances have taken place by defeating their opponents in the AFC title game at home. On the road, they have not gotten the job done. So this will be the ultimate test for Tom Brady. Maybe he begins his career by winning on the road in Pittsburgh. Also on the road in Los, in, uh, Los Angeles, in Oakland. That was an unbelievable dramatic game where there was that tuck, tuck, uh, tuck, tuck and under, uh, tuck under play that uh, changed the NFL rules a bit in that game. Um, interesting. This is going to be tough. That's what it's going to take for the Patriots to win this game. Is that, well, obviously, I mean, it's going to take something special here from Dom Tom Brady to get it done on the road. And the Patriots are going to have to, well, they're going to have to also all show up to play. They're going to have to play the best game of their life here to show up and get it done if they're going to defeat this Kansas City Chiefs team. I think they could beat any, I think they could beat the Saints or the Rams in the Super Bowl. I do. Doesn't mean they will, but I think they absolutely can beat the Saints or the Rams. I think the Patriots still have some wonderful weapons on this team. Uh, Gronkowski luckily has stayed healthy enough to be deadly. Uh, deadly, and he was deadly today against the Chargers. He's going to be huge, a huge factor in the, against the Kansas City Chiefs. New England's defense is going to have to show up at the right time, the right place to get the job done. But um, I think the I think it's going to be a similar score, but unfortunately with Kansas City coming out on top and going to the Super Bowl, something along the likes 43-40, something like that, but it's going to be an awesome game. Maybe 41-38. But I think the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Patriots until the Patriots can prove they can win on the road in this game for the first time since 01. It's been a long time. All the AFC title games they've gone to, they just don't get the job done on the road. Um, the Los Angeles Rams headed to New Orleans earlier this year, and unfortunately, see, this time around, see, the Patriots hosted the Chiefs, and they beat them by three points in an epic, epic battle. And that was at a time when the Patriots weren't playing as well. That's the one thing, too, is the playoffs. That's where I think, again... That's what gives the Patriots a serious chance of getting the job done. But I just don't think they will. I think the Chiefs are going to end up winning the game by a very narrow margin, unfortunately. Um, it's going to be a very interesting, interesting uh, <laughs> game, to say the least. 
So let's go to that NFC Championship game. The New England, no, the New Orleans Saints will host the Los Angeles or LA Rams. We'll call them Los Angeles Rams. And the again, the Saints beat them by 10 points on November the 4th. And unfortunately, New Orleans has home field again. Jared Goff has yet to show up against a really, 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 really tough opponent. Uh, he's, he's struggled. Luckily for the... L.A. Rams, they were they were very good against the Dallas Cowboys, but Goff was not very good. He was not as good as he'd been earlier in the season. He's going to have to really, really, really show off. This is going to have to be Goff's shining moment. This is it right here. I mean, Goff, this is your chance to be, to put yourself in those history books, beat those Saints on the road, and do something very, very, very special. Pull an Atlanta Falcon. Now, okay, let's not use that word. Let's think about somebody else. Uh, that's just... Uh, I don't know. Just get the job done against the New Orleans Saints, and I'm hoping they do, but Breeze is unflappable. Even when things aren't going so well, Breeze ends up coming through in the end, and I think the New Orleans Saints win the game. I think I think they take a comfortable lead, and they don't relinquish it at the end of the day. The Rams might make an interesting and little, little point here and there, but I think at the end of the day, the New Orleans Saints will get the job done and will win the game. Something along the likes of, I don't think it's going to be 45-35, but something more similar to... See, Goff last time around played very well. Let's see as I jump in really quick. He was playing much better at the time, but it's just something's changed about him so far. It's like teams have figured him out a teeny tiny bit, and he's going to have to make adjustments, and he's going to have to really, really make some serious adjustments and really show up in this game. You have an innovative coach against an innovative coach. It's going to be a very fun brand of football, I think, this weekend. Both of these teams are going to be really fun to watch. Veteran coaches on the AFC side, uh, uh, well, Peyton is a veteran coach too now. He was that young, innovative guy about 10 years ago when the Saints won the Super Bowl. Um, man, it's going to be a fascinating game, I think, but unfortunately, I think the Saints will take a comfortable lead and they'll end up finishing things off. Something along the likes, 35 to 28, 35, 27, 35, 24, something like that. But I think the Saints end up pulling away, and it's just not enough for Jared. There's just going to be too much. But uh, if Jared Goff shows up and plays a good game, though, it's going to be a very awesome game. But uh, Breeze was almost perfect against this team, unfortunately. He really showed up and got the job done. Quarterback rating 137, four touchdowns, no turnovers, 350 yards, 70% completion. Now, Jared Goff was 70% also, but he had that one interception that ended up hurting the Rams down the stretch. 115 quarterback rating, almost 400 yards. Gurley was good, though. Very, very strong in the game. But, unfortunately, for the Rams, they were playing from behind most of the game, so they could only use him so much. The major hope for the Rams is to have some kind of a huge drive and then a stop. That's the hope. Then you could really try to establish that run, try to hang in there and establish the run because Todd Gurley's the best running back in the NFL. And, of course, uh, C.J. Anderson's obviously really, really well, really good as well. That's the hope, is running and defense in this game for the Rams. Uh, the Saints are what they are. They have about a million weapons on their team. Well, not a million, but they have quite a few. They have two very good running backs, especially Kamara, who can do more than more than just run the ball. Obviously, he's extremely dangerous. Uh, the Saints obviously have multiple weapons all over the place. Michael Thomas can, get, can have 200-type yard games. He had a 200-yard game against the freaking Rams. And the, because the Rams' defense is good, and the Saints' defense is good, but just these offenses were that that good in the game. Um, <clears throat> that defensive line in Los Angeles, that's going to be the key. If you can get to Drew Brees and pressure him and you know, keep him at bay enough that the Rams can build some time, some type of a lead so they could establish the run more and more, that's the Rams' hope. But if the Saints build an early lead, I think they're done. And the other thing, too, um, 
yeah, I mean, I think the Rams are done. If the Saints build a lead in this game, I think the game's over. Uh, if the Rams build an early lead, don't get comfortable, but uh, yeah, here's your chance. Here's your chance. You know, you can run the ball, use your running weapons, and of course, get a little more comfortable, more and more innovative. Maybe bring a, bring a rabbit out of your hat, uh, Sean McVay. Uh, Sean McVay versus Sean Payton. It's going to be a spectacular, spectacular uh, coaching duel here in this one, just like it's going to be between the veterans, uh, Belichick and Andy Reid. McVay versus Payton. There's going to be some beautiful football, but I do think the Saints come out and win the game 35-28, to 35, 28, something like that, and ultimately go to the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs. That is going to be a spectacular game. Spectacular game. I think the Saints win that game, but maybe the Chiefs do. Maybe Mahomes is just that amazing, but I think Drew Brees and the Saints would get the job done. There's just too many weapons. It's the two teams with the most weapons around a very good quarterback who is just spectacular. Uh, old quarterback versus a young one, just like uh, it is right now in New Orleans, or in New England, I should say, against New England. But uh, it'll be similar. But I do think the uh, I think the Saints end up winning the Super Bowl in a narrow margin, but we'll talk about that next week when the time does come. Ah, that was fun. That was fun. Did you enjoy it? Because I did. Unfortunately, it sucks that we're not a part of it. I don't like seeing the Saints win, but uh, that's kind of where I see things heading still to this point, as much as I hate it. With that, we'll take a quick break and get to fan interaction and wrap this thing up. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number three, fan interaction. Let's start off with a Twitter like we usually do. want to thank Malcolm for the retweet most recently. Thank you very much. Episode 285, wildcard review, divisional preview. So now this one is divisional review and conference preview. Very, very cool. And the Vikings, of course, moving coaches around a little bit and, of course, establishing Mr. Kevin Stefanski. Matt Martin says, yet another good podcast, brother. Thanks for the gold star. Yep, I was really pissed the day after. I think it came out in the in, in the audio. Yep, so it was like right after that Viking loss to the uh, the Bears. Matt Martin continues, says, hate to say, say, say it. Think you're bang on with the Taints most likely winning at all. Hope the Eagles go down there and destroy their season. And I was kind of hoping the same, too. As much as I hate the Eagles, I just there's something about the Saints. I can't stand them. So... And, of course, maybe the Rams could host the uh, NFC title game. That would have been more fun. Mad Martin says, as to Greg Williams, I totally agree. Was thinking the same thing. Hate the bloke for Bounty Gate, but sh- sure but sure as SP know, know, know all about it. He's And he's still a head coach. Yep. So, yeah, he did a good job in Cleveland. Um... Yep, sure as Sean Payton, but sure as Sean Payton knows all about it. Yep, he's still a head, head coach. Um, Matt Martin continues saying, but it's possible that Sean Payton could end up in Cleveland, and I wonder if the Bengals make a play for Zimmer. Well, none of that happened at this point, unfortunately, for uh, some of us. We'd like to see some of those guys, not Zimmer leave, but like the uh, Sean Payton go to Cleveland. That would probably be better, wouldn't it? Thank you again from... Uh, Malcolm, oh uh, yeah, Malcolm also uh, tweeted out the show, so he shared the show on Twitter. Thank you very much, uh, Malcolm. Appreciate that very, very much. Mad Martin continues saying Stefanski declining to return. Yeah, he was afraid that he wasn't going to come back, but it turns out that's not the truth. And there was an ongoing back and forth between uh, 
from the Cheap Seats. That's Kevin McMahon, NFL. He also, yeah, he has a podcast called The Cheap Shop from the Cheap Seats. Very, very nice show, and thank you very much. He's shouted out to me before, and I will shout out to him right here and now. Thanks again, Kevin McMahon, NFL. He's out of Wisconsin. Nice guy. Um, there was a back and forth. Yep, he was saying how there's no declining reports of, uh, or there's no reports of Stefanski declining the Vikings right now. He's a shot at the head coach of the Browns. That's all it is. So there was kind of a back and forth between uh, Mad Martin and, the, and uh, Kevin there. Kind of a, it's a bit long, so I would have gone back and forth forever. They said they just didn't agree on a whole lot of stuff. Mad Martin was saying, regardless of which, which position he's interviewing for, would you take a job with the Vikings, with the head coach and GM, basically lame ducks, or the Browns who appear to be going in the right direction? See, that, that's a good point. Uh, Kevin McMahon thought that was meaningless. I wonder why. Well, let's let's hear these two guys talk a little bit here. I skipped mo- I skipped a big chunk of it for now, because some of that's in the past, obviously. Because uh, well, Stefanski is the Vikings coordinator now. Uh, Mad Martin says, "How is it meaningless? The elephant in the room is Zimmer's contract. See, this is what's important. It's going to it's going to be harder to get an OC when there are opportunities out there. Another mediocre season and the coaches are gone. All the pressure will be on the OC." Kevin replies with, Stefanski already lives in Minnesota. Family is there. If offered a competing office of coordinator job, it's meaningless to him whether Zim is in a lame duck year or not. It's not like he won't get offers next year or even a shot at head coach of the Vikings if that's the case. That's why it's meaningless. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, that's an interesting uh, point of view there. Huh. Yeah, I mean, where Kevin Stefanski might even be in the coaching uh, waiting. He says uh, Mad Martin replies with, if the Wolves believe in Zimmer, they need to extend his contract. Until that happens, it's going to be very difficult to get the best OC to come. Uh, but no, it's uh, Kevin Stefanski now, so we'll kind of leave that as is. Cool conversation though at the time. I apologize I didn't jump in. It's just It was at the wrong time of day, unfortunately for me, where I am just, you know, I'm stuck at work and I'm just, I can't get access to it. So I apologize there. And Martin says, I mean, where has that D been all season? Colts offense reminds me of another team that had a terrible first half. Just hope Kansas City doesn't blow it. Bolts KC will do me fine next week. And unfortunately, the Bolts let you down too there. Yep, so now we're actually getting to the games here. Uh, He says, Kansas City's offense is everything ours is not. The plays that this kid makes are unreal. And that would again be Patrick Mahomes. Thanks again for that. Keep going. Let's get some likes here. But no, very interesting. Uh, Mad Martin continues, says, Well, this game is disappointing, to say the least, over before the half. That would be the Patriots one. He says, Bolts outplayed and so outcoached. Did not say 35-7 at the half. Unreal. Two weeks to get ready. It was a no-brainer, really. Let's hope the Taint slash Eagles lives up to expectations. And it did. It wasn't high scoring, but it lived up to it. Great start by the Taints. Come on, Eagles. Yep, yep. So, yep. And the Eagles started off 14 to nothing. And unfortunately, the Eagles did not score again, which I don't think either one of us liked at all, Mad Mark. But uh, thanks again. Awesome conversation there. No call in this week from anybody that I know about at this time. It's usually doubtful this time of year, but I got to hope as we head into the offseason and more and more Vikings news comes out that we're going to get some type of a call in here and there. Let's talk. Let's get to the uh, most recent post on the show. So the most recent release of the show on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Also going to give a quick shout out to MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven. Thank you always for that. Trevor Wicker and the creator of that page for allowing me to post links to Purple Mafia 
on that uh, page. Thanks again. And I uh, encourage all of you to join that page. And a lot of you have. Leland out of Iowa says, thank you, good store, sir. Mark Carlson also out of Iowa says, thank you, Joey. Monday is something to look forward to. And I hope it is once again, Mark and Leland. Thanks again, guys, for those very, very kind words. And now the uh, comments from those of you out there on the uh, Kevin Stefanski decision. Why doesn't it just show everything? Oh, now the noise is starting upstairs. Well, I gotta love that. Leland out of uh, out of Iowa, like I mentioned, says yes. Fix the O line. How about getting Cousins some help this year? Be it draft or free agency, not much cap room. Spielman sold us a bill of goods. Sold us this bill of goods. Now get him some help. Maybe knowing this could be Zim's and Rick's last year. It puts a fire under their butt. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I got to think it does. Mark Carlson says, unimpressed with anything the offense has done late in the season. Sure, I hear a million reasons why, but I don't feel this is easily correctable. Ah, I like you, Mark. I love you. This guy's a star candidate already. Because there is more to it than one person. Let's get the right, let's get the coaching right, get the personnel right, get the, and call the play right call the right play, pardon me. I hate like hell to see a pass on third down to Treadmill or Murray, only getting one yard when he needs three. That has to change. Thanks for the update, Joey. Skull, Mark from Iowa. And yep, you're very welcome for the update on Mr. Stefanski. Brett McCarthy out of South Dakota says, glad, glad, fixed the O-line in the draft. All the complaining about Zimmer. Yep, so yep, he's annoyed at some of us that have complained about Zimmer. He is very much so. Brett McCarthy says, uh, out of South Dakota again. Who who are you going to get? Remember, yeah, Bobo about like being replacing him as head coach. That is a good question. One bad year, tough first place schedule. Shermer made made it work with what with, with what our strengths were last year. And and he is gone. Get over it. They made a bad decision hiring D Filippo. You're not a true fan through thick and thin. You support your team. Um, I hope, uh, yeah, I hope you didn't leave the page now. Oh, no, I'm kidding. I don't think he did. I hope I hope Curtis Pate didn't. I, hope, uh, I don't think Brad McCarthy did. I hope not. No. So um, interesting conversation here from everyone. Ali Sidikai says, I like this. William Carr says, yeah, think. And that was early on. Sebastian Barton says, we are his second choice. He is the only guy who wants to be here. Zim and Slick Rick's contracts end this year. He is the only guy who is liking our position. Brett McCarthy, yep, I read that one. Curtis Pate says, we only got one more year of bad O-line. No SS, no strong safety, and shitty special teams, LOL. Hopefully Rick and Mike will be fired. We have a top five team that plays like we are the 20th best team because of shitty play calling and inconsistency week by week and winning or showing up. And I understand your frustration, Curtis. I do. I understand your frustration big time there. So that's the end of Stefanski's commentary. Mike Prefer, no longer the offensive coordinator for Minnesota. According to that 1500 ESPN article, the comments are missing. Where are they? Let's just, come on. Get them all down there. So, Brent Jacobson says, now the Browns kickers will suck. <laughs> I like that. Sebastian, Brent Jacobson is local here. Sebastian is in the Mankato area. He says, we owe Cleveland a huge thank you. I don't think we've bought a kick since 2015. Brad McCarthy says, glad. Eric Muster says, good. How many kickers did we go through who were solid prior to getting to Minnesota before they finally identified the source of the problem? 
Brad McCarthy says, who's out there for us to get? That's what I don't know. Um, interesting question there. I don't, I'm not sure. I, it's a tough one. Uh, William Carr says, Mike departs. Okay, come on. Thought he was booted. Nope, he ended up leaving, believe it or not. Yeah, I thought he was booted too at first, but nope, he ended up leaving. And that's just kind of how that goes. Uh, well, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to miss him all too much at this point, including some of his players, I suppose. All right, to the uh, the weekend thread here. The weekend thread, divisional round weekend game thread is here. And Brent Jacobson says, no, what? What the hell? I hit the wrong button. Where did all the comments go? How obnoxious is that? Yeah, I scroll down. Curtis Bates says, our year is over. We don't need to watch another team play. That's called bandwagoners. And no, I, I don't agree with that. And I mentioned that earlier in the show. Kurt Back actually uh, <laughs> said F you to Curtis Pate. Ouch, I wouldn't have said that. So Curtis Pate apparently has blocked uh, Kurt Back. I hope Kurt Pate doesn't left the page. I did see uh, the number drop by one. So I don't know, maybe Kurt Pate, Curtis Pate left. I hope not. I hope not. We'll find out. Uh, Mike Feller, Stu Evans says, Curtis Pate, it's football, and if you're a football fan and you don't watch play a football, well, that's your choice. But this is when it's for the marbles, so it's worth watching. Um, I agree with uh, Mike Feller, Stu Evans. I think it's worth watching. I do. Um, I appreciate the thought there. I thought there was more. What happened? Is this? No, there is more. Sebastian Martin says, Curtis, bro, I watch playoff football because I love the sport. Mahomes is the real deal. KC's defense didn't crumble. Go LA Rams. And the Rams did win. Mark Carlson says, the Rams have something special. And I hope they do. I hope they beat the Saints. That would be freaking awesome. Leland out of Iowa says, watch them for the love of football. There was some good games to today. I think the Nooner is looking to be a good matchup. Curtis back thought it would be 42. Kurt back thought it would be 42 to 10 Rams. No. It was low. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't that high scoring. <laughs> uh, Mark Carlson says, "Strange but enjoyable, kind of like a fish taco." <laughs> Interesting. Interesting comment there. Strange but enjoyable, kind of like a fish taco. Yep, that was the yeah the Rams. I'm sure. Well, the Chiefs are going to be extremely. Yeah, I think they're going to be. Uh, it's going to be a tough beat for the Patriots. I am kind of thinking Chiefs and Saints and a pretty epic Super Bowl coming up. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking so, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting, uh, crazy interesting matchup there coming up. Patrick Mahomes' his first year as a starter. He might take his team to the Super Bowl. Tom Brady did, so we'll see. We'll see if Brady can prevent that from happening. We shall see indeed. Let's pass out some stars and wrap up the show. The gold star for this episode. Today, it's going to go to Mark Carlson. He's going to get a gold star for this episode. Absolutely awesome. Uh, Mad Martin gets a gold-bladed silver star. Um... And Mike Feller, Stu Evans is also going to get a. She's also going to get a uh, silver star for this episode. Thank you very much uh, for being a huge part of this show. You guys are spectacular. Uh, Leland is going to bring in the bronze. Thank you again so much, you guys, for being a huge part of the show. Uh, Sebastian also will share a bronze with Leland. Uh, thanks, guys, so much for being a part of the show as much as you have been. It's been a. Uh, pleasure doing this show. I'll be keep, keeping him coming out there. Uh, Brent Jacobson's always a great call-in, great, great uh, poster. He has some funny, interesting stuff to talk about. <clears throat> actually, let's jump back to Brent Jacobson as well. He actually sent me a text. I'm surprised he didn't post it on the Facebook page. Very interesting rumor banting about. Uh, Brent Jacobson was saying he saw a rumor where the, that the Vikings would send number 18 and Xavier Rose to the Raiders for number 4 and 
on the offensive guard, Gabe Jackson, who was actually a pretty damn good guard. Um, he says, uh, Ben Jacobson says, if the Raiders would do it, I'd do it in a New York minute. Your opinion? Would the Raiders actually do that? Well, I mean, I was basically saying if they, if, if they could trade Khalil Mack, they'd probably trade just about anything. Um, that is a, that is giving up a lot on both sides. I mean, you're giving up a first-round pick in Xavier Rhodes, who's considered a pretty damn good player, who's not 30 yet, uh, very good uh, cornerback, obviously, potentially a franchise cornerback. You're going to get a really good guard and a number four. Would the Raiders do it? I'm thinking no. I think no, only because it's the number fourth pick in the draft. That's why, because I think the Raiders were trying to accumulate picks. I think they've been desperately trying to do that with the whole, you know, Khalil Mack trade and such. I don't know. They must have felt that the team wasn't close enough to competing for a championship anytime soon, so let's accumulate a bajillion draft picks and we could turn out like the Saints. Uh, Derek Carr hopefully survives all this, and that's why I'm thinking they won't do it. But the reason why it might happen is because they've traded anybody. But they traded a player. They didn't trade a top draft pick. They traded four top draft picks. That's why I'm thinking actually no at this point. But that's only that's the only reason why is because it involves the number four. Um, we'll see what happens, though. I mean, they're still getting number 18, so it's not like you're getting nothing. <clears throat> you know, not every great player is taken in the top four of the draft. In fact, the last time the Vikings had the number four pick, number three pick, it was Matt Khalil. We thought he was a franchise left tackle, and, well, he kind of was for a year, and after that, forget about it, a la Bryant McKinney. We thought he was a franchise left tackle, and he was for a year or so, and then he wasn't. So that was the end of that story. Um, but I passed out the stars. Brent Jacobson's going to ring in a star also, a bronze. So thanks again, Brent, uh, for being a part of things. He's just awesome guy. Uh, love that. Love that you brought that to the table. Very cool. I should have mentioned that earlier because I had it sitting here waiting. So my apologies uh, for not getting to that right, Johnny on the spot there when I should have probably right at the very beginning of the uh, fan interaction segment, usually when it's something interacting directly with me, not the Facebook page. That way I'm less likely to forget. <laughs> That's what I do with Forecaster. Mark is the Forecaster on Timberwolves Explosion at times. So with that, again, thanks everyone for the... Uh, involvement even though it's the off season right now but if there's always vikings news there's always going to be something going on hopefully more on the positive side than the negative and then of course it's great to keep up with these very entertaining football games some have not been that great others have been absolutely awesome with that said thanks again we'll talk to you next week and go patriots go go rams go patriots that would be a much better matchup no, I don't even know if it would be a better matchup, but I'd rather not see the Saints. And I just, I don't know, I'd rather see the Patriots than the Chiefs, but I'm sure most of you would rather see the Chiefs. Do enjoy. We'll talk to you then.